Hello, my name is Paul Caddy, and welcome to the Business in a Digital Age podcast. This new podcast from Shoesmiths features interviews with changemakers, mold breakers, future leaders, and other leading figures. They show us what matters in the digital age and talk about what you can do to thrive in the years ahead. In essence, we explore what makes our guests tick and what they think will most transform our lives in the next few years and what you can do about it. Today's guest is Lee Burkill. Many listeners will know him as a presenter on BBC One's Garden Rescue, but he's also a garden designer, blogger, and well-known vlogger on YouTube. His website is one of the top resources for gardeners in the UK, and he's won plenty of awards and nominations for his work too, including from BBC Local Radio, the Royal Horticultural Society, and the Garden Media Guild. In 2021, he won the BBC Northwest Community Garden with the RHS. His social media presence has blossomed over the years, pun intended. He runs a popular gardening YouTube channel, which is full of practical gardening tips, design advice, and reviews of some of the best gardens around. Of course, he's also on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Today, in particular, we talked to Lee about his approach to social media, what works for him and what doesn't. Lee, I thought I'd start with, I suppose, a quite an easy question, but just how did you get into gardening? Because, you know, and 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 helping the world to teach the world to garden more successfully, I think you say on your website, because you studied for the bar yes. and then you went to work in project management for the NHS. Did, did you get tired of working indoors? Um, I think it kind of happy coincidence that all these things lined up. But I've always been a gardener, even since I was a child. My granddad had kind of the traditional allotment of garden, grow your own stuff. And then when I was at school and even at university studying law, always had a house for garden and it kind of subconsciously was always a bit of an escape from from life I suppose it was a nice quiet space that you could grow things no pressure no deadlines no one else nagging you so I'd always been a gardener but as you said I, I studied law went to the bar had these grand ambitions to go and articulate to the world which I suppose has come true in a different way and persuade people for a, a better outcome you know, to sort yeah. of provide something of substance and ended up in project management because although I got called to the bar, it was so competitive and I did have a mohawk back then as well. So I think I kind of got pushed to the side a bit of like, if you can conform, we'll let you in. But if not, and I kind of was a bit stubborn and went, well, I'll, I'll have a look elsewhere. Ended up well, in I mean, but your, your persona, it does, you know, it's not a typical uh sort of it's not a persona you would typically see at the bar is it really no and I, I can kind of appreciate that those people masters at those interviews probably looked at me and went you know you'd probably give us some good articulation but I wouldn't know what to do with you and I can appreciate that yeah you you, you want to kind of have someone that's probably not going to cause you too many issues so you know when I went into project management it was mega stressful after about eight years realized oh blooming heck kind of I'm in this world that I never planned to be in it pays well but I'm stressed and one thing led to another and I remember compressing my hours into four days thinking I need to find something to do on that one day that's a bit more familiar. I mean that's quite a challenge as well compressing a really stressful job of five days into four um, I know, which naive me learned very quickly when I realized that you've got the same amount of stress you've just got less time to like get rid of it before you get home and so I started doing 
a garden design course on a Friday. It was part-time over with the RHS. And it was very much a case of, this is something that I really like to do. Let's just do something different to free up my mind a bit and see what happens. And then lo and behold, I got completely sucked into it, entered a competition with the RHS and the BBC late one night to design a, it was a new garden designer competition, designer garden, looked at the deadline, it was in two days, I'm like, oh, my neck. So worked really hard to get this design out there. It won, did a show garden off the back of it to showcase the design, and then it was like no looking back. It's like the, the trainers off the station, off I go. And as much as I didn't really want to jump straight into being self-employed, it, it was happening, so it's like, right, off we go. So you 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 rolled you rolled with it effectively, yeah. Because there's there's a lot of uh, things, aren't there? I, I think like on Instagram, people will say follow your passion, and and there'll be plenty of hashtags along mm-hmm. those lines, saying follow your passion. But I think some people sort of let themselves gently into it sometimes because you still have bills to pay, for example. Oh, yeah, and you still got all the worries that you had. And I, I'm not necessarily saying that mine is the the right way to change careers or the the most obvious, but. I could tell that something had traction. I was doing well. I said, I really enjoyed it. And I thought, God, if I can apply the amount of effort that I applied to project management to this, like it could go somewhere. And I thought, you know, worst case, give it two years. If it all goes down the sink, I'll just go back to project management. You know, I'm not so, going to... So in a sense, you had a nascent plan. Um, yeah. You almost project managed your, your change of career. So you went straight into it. Did you, you sort of stopped the four day a week and then thought, as you say, this is a goer. Let's just go with it. Yeah, there was a definite line in the sand. It was like, right, I've left work, now I've gone. And But back then, it was still doing very small gardens, friends and family, writing the blog, and just d- doing lots of little bits of work as the, as the business kind of started. And it was always meant to be this local small thing where I would do small garden design for people around Manchester and Liverpool. Then that show garden happened, but then it started to really grow. Not necessarily into really big gardens, but into, you know, writing articles. Then it was doing the YouTube guides because I realised that the people that I was designing gardens for, when I handed them over, they would say, well, what do I do with that shrub or tree or how do I prune that? And I'd tell them and then I'd tell someone else and someone else. I thought, oh, if I create a video, then I can just send them the link, you know, and then they've all got it. And I'm not losing my voice I'm not repeating myself a hundred times. So that's really how the YouTube thing started. It wasn't the fact I wanted to be an influencer or a vlogger or whatever. It was, that was the best medium to teach more than one person how to do the same thing. So there was an authenticity with it really, as opposed yeah. to doing it for the, for the, for, for the likes and what have you. It was a genuine desire to yeah. show people, this is what I do. And this is how you do things. Of course, it was basically to spread that knowledge, knowing that I couldn't speak to everyone around the UK, the world about pruning roses face to face, but I can certainly create what I like to think is a comprehensive video and go, right, there you go. You can watch it at your leisure, whenever, in the bath, on a plane, who cares? But you all get the same quality of knowledge. But I was speaking to you today because, you know, you are so good at social media. But it must have been quite daunting at first mm. when you've got, I mean, we've we've written the book recently and it's the blank page scenario. Mm. It's like, where do you start? Where, where did you start? Did you have a, a sort of nascent strategy in your head or was it just seeing what worked? Yeah, I'd love to say I had a strategy. It was, <laughs> it was I have a problem, which is people want to know this stuff. 
and I've not got enough time to tell everyone, but if I do a video, then it's done. I can stick it on my site. And like the altruist in me is more people come and watch it. So even if I don't design your garden or you can't afford to get a designer, you can watch this. It's free at the point of delivery, and then you can do it yourself or get a gardener to do it, but you, but you know what you need to do. So everything that I've done, especially with like YouTube and the blog, has been about if I can spread this knowledge far and wide – that's what I'll do because when I started in gardening, garden design, the knowledge is locked away. It's hidden in courses, degrees, books, training courses. And it's like, that's great. If you've not got the time to grab it as a beginner or a weekend gardener, you'll never get it. So you'll get frustrated and you'll stop gardening. And I want people to garden. So it's like, I will give you these little snippets to get you out so you succeed. And I feel good about that because I feel like I'm spreading the knowledge other people seem to feel good because they're learning and everyone kind of benefits from it. Yeah. Did you did you take a, a slightly different angle from from others? Were you the first really to truly embrace, you know, YouTube, for example, in terms of what you do or probably not. <clears throat> I certainly wasn't the first in gardening and horticulture, grow your own, but I would like to think I was one of the early adopters for design. So garden design is a is a very nuanced field in horticulture and botany and it can be seen as a bit stuffy and I wanted to kind of open it up and go you know you can have that lovely high-end Chelsea garden you can have the real £300,000 garden design if you want but I'm gonna explain the concepts show you through my work practice what I preach so that if you've only got a tenor you can still apply the principles do you know it's like understanding the principles of law you might have a million pound you know a legal case against you for breach of contract, but you might be breaching a phone contract that's worth a hundred quid. But the principle of the contract's the same. So it's yeah. like if you can understand that, then it doesn't matter how big it is, but you understand the subject matter. And that's what I want to do is to say yeah. So you were you were almost democratizing, um, if we're gonna use sort of um institutional language, democratizing yeah, exactly. um, gardening. And and yeah. I think the key it strikes me is that less stuffy, because so mm-hmm. much stuff can be stuffy. The the practice of law particularly can be really, really stuffy. Yes. And I hadn't really thought of gardening, to be honest, as being particularly stuffy, but I suppose I mean, there's there's so many there's there's so much stuff out there, isn't there? Really, um, this gardener's world. There's all manner of stuff on the TV mm-hmm. and what have you. But I suppose that follows a certain format, doesn't it? Quite a traditional format. It's really well received, but not not for everyone, perhaps. No, exactly. It's kind of like with the law, with IT, with gardening. There's always a hierarchy. There's always a boss above you. There's always a we've always done it this way. And the beauty of social media and with like blogging and vlogging is that you can approach it from whatever angle you want and the audience will decide whether or not that has merit. So you can do whatever you want, great. But if you're not good enough or your material's a bit shabby or your knowledge is poor, sooner or later the audience will try that and it won't work and they'll go, well, you told me to do that. So they'll move away. So they vote with their feet. So you've got to make sure that your content is correct. And I mean, how did you find out what worked from a presentation point of view? Yeah, which is a really good question. So the first few videos, it was very much like, I'm just going to show you this. And I look back on them now with fondness and a bit of the orc because it's like, you know, (laughs) sound levels are all over the show and they're kind of, you can tell I'm just trying to show you the best I can. But so they've, they've kind of adapted over the years to make sure that you're putting the best sort of foot forward with them. But it was very much a, 
if I needed to learn this, how would I want to know it or see it visually? And, and what kind of narration would help me? And that's all I've ever done is like trial and error based on that. And as people have commented saying, oh, I never thought of that or this bit really helped me. It's like, right, there's a gem. We'll do more of that. Other people said, oh, I can't hear you because there's a car going past. Right, we'll do less of that. We'll sort right. of And you just like tweak the knobs to which bits work for people. And you end I up... Mean, I suppose it takes quite a brave person sometimes to look at the comments function in any of the sort of social media. Did you have to sort of... I mean, perhaps being um, training as a lawyer may have helped, I don't know, and having a thicker <laughs> skin. But is that something you had to learn how to be good at doing? Because there's always going to be someone that it takes takes a particularly negative view of what you're doing for, yeah. for no good reason. But I yeah. presume you found that most people are decent and they're asking these questions and are, and are nice about it. So did you have a method of just like forgetting the 10% which are perhaps a bit rude or Yeah, unfair? I mean, it's, even as, a, as an ex-lawyer, <laughs> it's still difficult to hear and people can be absolutely vicious. But I always tend to think, well, you know, you'll, get the, you'll always have trolls. You'll always have people that just don't like you. They don't like your hair, your voice, your this, your that. But you've got to think it's a gardening video. It's not that contentious. And the people that go on there to, you know, quote, Bible verses to me or to tell me that they hate me or whatever. It's like, well, it's a video about hedges, you know, so kind of part of me is like, oh, dear, what's going on? What's no, that's a really nice way of thinking about it. As you say, it's a video about hedges. Hedges are important if you're yeah. dealing with a hedge, but there's no reason for you to get so het up. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, calm down. And I often think, what is going wrong today for you that makes yeah. you come to my video about the best herbaceous perennial plants for spring interest and start going nuts. So a lot of them, they don't get a reply, but it's just, they might pop up and I think, oh dear, she's having a bad one. Next. You know, you've just got to push it to one side. Push because it to one side. Yeah, it's like, I'm doing my best to provide content for you. And as long as you, like, I'm doing that, I'm not being contentious. It would be different if it was, you know, a political channel trying to, really agitate the crowd, give me your response. But I'm not doing that. I don't care about that. So I, I just, yeah, it gets pushed to one side, not onto the next. I would just say for the purposes, um, this isn't an audio uh, uh, podcast, not video, but I can actually see your dog behind you. He's looking very relaxed. No, so he's just walking. He's just laid down. He's like, what's going that's on? That's so you just need to take the, his attitude or her attitude. Is it a he or she? Hey, it's little Barry, Barry the Border. There you he's, go. Uh, in most of my videos, yeah, he's pretty chill. So he's looking like, very, very chill in the background. So I think we could take a lot from him, really. Um, <laughs> I mean, another thing about social media, and it's something which I'm certainly aware of, and the team here is is aware of, is just the sort of shrinking of attention spans mm. as the years sort of go on. Um, yeah. Grabbing people's attention is is quite an art. I mean, I suppose you've got to be careful not to create clickbait. You'll yeah. never guess, dot, dot, dot. Yes. Um, did, did you have to sort of teach yourself how to do that well, but not in a way, in a way which was genuine? Yeah. It, oh, it's, it's so tricky. And this is a really good question because y you've hit the nail on the head that the, the algorithm, let's call it that, the, the social media, the Google algorithm, loves short, sharp, get them in, get them out, onto the next thing kind of approaches and that clickbait the the tiktok generation of i want to know everything about intellectual property in 60 seconds in a legal example not going to happen but google would love for you to pretend that it could happen so you'll end up smushing together content for 60 seconds but actually it's not that meaningful and it's i find it really difficult to 
to to compete with that because that's the way that social media is going. And I stick with a lot longer form content where it's like, I'm going to show you how to do this, but I'm actually really going to show you. I'm not going to click my fingers and two seconds later a rose appears or this. I just don't like it. And I know it's there. And I know that that is the way that things are going. But for me and my content, it's grab a brew, let's sit down, I'll show you. It'll work. And by the end of it, you'll know what you're doing rather than snappy stuff. And So I've never followed that. And maybe it'll burn me because I'll realise that that's the way that Google and social media want things. But with me Mohawk and being stubborn going, no, it's there's a nicer way to do this. So I, I just don't do it. But I, I know that some people are on that trade and they want to condense everything into like the shortest, sharpest. Sweet. I mean, would you would you take that approach perhaps for some of the stuff you do? So for videos, they, they're very authentic. So, you know, they, and they work well, as you can see just from, you know, your, your website. So perhaps if you, if you write articles, do you find they might be a, a perhaps a little bit shorter than they used to be? I mean, did you, <coughs> does it depend on the media, let's say, in terms of attention spans? It, it does. Like the written media is a bit more relaxed. So, you know, people want shorter articles, but I still say, you know, they've got, it's got to be some substance. And with, yeah, writing's lovely. I love to write. Filming stuff, it is getting squozing and squozing and people's attention spans are short. But I kind of think if you get them in in the first 10 seconds and they realise, oh, if, if I give a bit more attention to this, I'll get more out of it. So, I think that's the key. That's a very good point. I think I mean, I'm like that when I read articles. It's or even books. Dare I say, perhaps not ten seconds, but mm. it's just that first initial period. And if yeah. my attention hasn't been grabbed, I am off. I'm elsewhere, yeah. and and it and it feels a bit rude almost because the amount of effort that people put into stuff. But that's just the way of the world, isn't it? Really. So, yeah. as you say, it's well, grabbing attention initially, mm. and then once people are in, they're in. What I did start to do, I used to go, right, today I'm going to show you how to do X, Y, and Z. And now it's like, I'm going to show you this because I'm going to get to the why. I'm going to show you how to pin a gooseberry because you're going to get better fruit and you won't be disappointed. So it's like, here's so you, the so why. You're good at selling. I mean, I'm not a marketeer, but marketing is about features and benefits. And I think too often mm-hmm. people talk about features, like why your mm-hmm. your website is brilliant and all that sort of stuff. But actually what you want to sell are the benefits. Yeah. Why do you want to listen to this podcast? Exactly. Why do you want to listen to this video? Yeah, it's What are the benefits? Fab, what is it? Feature, advantage, benefit. You know, and if you can get that pow, pow, pow and then they're in. Um, but yeah, coming back to your question, attention spans are reducing the algorithm wants to do that because it can pack more and it keeps you scrolling, keeps you clicking and, and watching. And unfortunately, that's just the metric that we have to work with. But at the same time, it's like, I don't want all my content to become this fast and furious, fast food version of gardening because that's not what I'm about. That's not what gardening is about. So it's it's a, it's a weird one. And it's right. the opposite of gardening though, isn't it? I mean, it is. people love gardening because it gives them time just to be. Yeah. And, and, to slow down. and just to slow down so yeah. it would be quite ironic as you say if suddenly you're producing material which is at the speed of light you yeah. know a, a 10 second tiktok video let's say yeah exactly and I, I just don't like that and like i said maybe i'll get burnt by it but right now you know you you work with the constraints but it's all about for me educating people it, probably if i wanted to be even more you know infamous if i wanted more followers i could follow that but kind of algorithm and template to cause a bit more woo-hoo, you know, woo-woo all the time. But it's just not what I want. Is it, is it be careful what you wish for? So you found a, a, a good level 
which makes you happy as well in terms of, as you say, spreading the knowledge of gardening and how to do it well. Um, it strikes me that you don't really want you, you could you could you could always do more, I suppose, with social media. Mm -hmm. But yeah. where does it get you? I suppose you need to strategize what you, you what you do to a certain degree, even if that's not a formal strategy. Um, yeah. and, and work out what works for you and, and the people you're talking to. Yeah, because for some people, they will have picked up YouTube or Instagram or TikTok and their strategy is I want followers, I want infamy, fame, sponsorship deals, money. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's their business model is if I get X thousand followers, X hundred thousand followers, so many million followers, it will become a business, whereas I've already got a business. So social media really is about the marketing side, it's getting that message out there and helping more people. So I'm looking at it through a different lens. But yeah, for, for a number of people, it's about social media being the business. And I've always gone, oh, that feels a bit awkward because then I'm, my business model is based on an algorithm that I'll never fully understand. Whereas for me, it's like, oh, I can use that to help promote this, this and this. And get that That's a good out. point. There's no great transparency with with algorithms are they really yeah. i think seo keeps on changing for example yeah. um i don't know how i mean i've not looked into it um recently but it, it does change a lot and you don't know when when things are being tweaked really so it sounds like a very healthy approach you've yeah. sort of taken to, to well, social media i'm always trying to keep it keep my relationship with social media healthy because i've seen so many people fall down the rabbit hole of likes followers numbers and then they get very stressed because the algorithm changes and they don't know what to do and they start doing more extreme things to get people to click and to like and I, i've seen it with a number of even gardeners and i think oh gosh he or she is about to end up in a world of pain because it, you lose yourself and, and, and i always stop it's like so is that the key to step back sometimes and just be careful because you could just get obsessed with likes? Yeah, no it's exactly. human nature. I mean, it's it's an endorphin rush. If it something is. if something goes really really well, and you don't always know why, I wouldn't have thought on social media. Yeah. Something just connects. Boof. Exactly. Yeah, and then it goes, and people get people get hooked on that 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 rush, the endorphins, and it's the case of it's and it's easy to, for it to happen, but it's bringing it back to why am I doing this? Is it likes? No. Is it getting information out there? Yes. Are people really engaging or are they just clicking a button and everything has to come back to, is it educational? And do, I, do, I, do I feel proud about this piece of content or work? Or would I look back in 10 years and think, oh, that was, that was a bit tragic and I never want to be that person. So it's, no. and it, it's fighting the machine. It's, it's fighting the trend as well. It's like, well, why am I doing it? I never started as a social media influencer. So I don't, I mean, I don't want to be one now. I just want to garden and spread the knowledge. So for me, it's quite easy. I can keep pulling back. No, that sounds, that sounds a really sort of healthy approach to me, yeah. having that sort of approach in terms of social media. I mean, in the book, which we've just recently written, Legal Practice mm -hmm. in the Digital Age, we talk about change and the fact, I mean, change is changing, the pace, the complexity and magnitude. Do, do you see that at all? In terms of what you do, that things are speeding up. I think we've sort of alluded to it, but yes. do, you, do you find that? I mean, it's like with your book, the scary thing now is that people want things yesterday. They want them in 60 seconds and they want you to be all smiles about it and to, to, to rush stuff through. It's like, why can't we do that? Because we can tell the computers to do it. We've got AI now. So the, the, the pace of change is rapid. And it's about, it's not just like keep up or get out the way. It's working out well. You know, do, how do we how do we keep up 
with change, without losing the values, without losing the education? And, and how does anyone keep up? Because you've, you know, the human, the human mind can only go at such a speed. But we're dealing that's a, with that, that's a core point. That, that's a key point, though, isn't it? That we, yeah. we're, we're human beings at the end of the day, and I think in the book we talk about people and tech, not people or tech, and we need to recognise the humanity in in, in in what we do. Yeah, exactly. And it's like everything's moving faster and quicker, and it was happening yesterday. But actually. Do the people want that? Or is it just the fact that tech can do it? So we're all kind of trying to keep up with it. And I can, I, I do think, well, there's a certain limit on that. And you know, if we keep working as fast as tech, we're all going to burn out anyway. And it, you know, we should work in harmony with it. Tech should help us. And maybe this is the point that I'm waffling around is tech should help us. Do you know, it shouldn't be a case of let's keep up with it and, and keep churning stuff out. And yeah, in that, in that change in the, the digital age, it's about what works for me. And you're never going to do it all. There's infinite possibility. There's infinite tech. If you try and do it all, you're going to be so disappointed and tired. And that's that's not the way. No, absolutely. But, and I think you've, you've mentioned it a couple of times or alluded to it. I think it, it's standing back, isn't it, from what you're doing and sometimes yeah. going, am I being true to myself or am I being true to my business? Yeah. Or, or I'm getting caught up with the rush of all this stuff that I want to do. And everyone's doing more than me. There's everyone's, you know, winning more than me or competing more. And it's about, well, yeah, they probably are, but do you want to do that? Is that I mean, the it's it's this where gardening comes in as well, though. I mean, particularly during lockdown, everyone suddenly realised how important green space was. And as here, as, a, as we record this podcast, um, I'm in Spinningfields in Manchester, and they've created this beautiful sort of landscaped bit. Mm. It wasn't there before. I think. It, I mean, I'm always amazed at how much in cities there's just so much concrete still. Yeah. I mean, what 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 would your vision be in terms of you know hybrid working, people coming into offices? Would you like to see more landscaped areas for people to sort of decant out of the buildings into? Yeah, certainly. And I think we we treat gardening either as a hobby or as a a way to pretty up our our homes and our spaces. But we sometimes forget that gardening is a it's a moving feast. It's a what I call like a you know, an evolving space. It's not like interior design where you can create something lovely for the next five years as long as you keep keep on yeah. top of it. It looks the same. It's the same. It's the same. Gardening is not that beast. You know, it's a perishable good. It's like creating a cake and wanting it to sit there for 10 years and not, not rot and fall to bits. But I think we should definitely have that view where working spaces should be more relaxing. But gardening, gardening is all about this organic ever-changing process and I think although lockdown was great to get people out people didn't understand that so they're like right planted six trees oh they've changed oh the leaves I didn't expect that no you didn't because that's that's gardening and it's like any anything any area it's like like law project management you do it deliver it but then it's going to change because actually the, the ground is changing around you the the atmosphere is changing what we're doing is changing all the time and I think that's the bit that's tricky because everything's running at 100 miles an hour. Yeah. But I would certainly like more organic gardening in our city. I would like to sort of slow things down. And it's managing to have the guts to go, the world's going so quickly, but if we can just grab five or ten minutes. Because you see, I mean, I, I, as I look down there now, there's people just sat there happy. 
in their own thoughts. I mean, dare I say, there's actually the odd individual, I think, who's not looking at their phone. I suppose that's the problem, isn't it? Ironically, you might go to these spaces to relax and just to be and not to do, but you end up looking at your phone anyway. But people do look a lot happier down there. So, I mean, I'd love to see more of those sort of landscaped areas in in the city and done well, because Mm. it, it definitely, the mood of this development changed, I think, when there was more green space, definitely. Yeah. So, uh, and that's a good point because you can lead a horse to water, but then it still wants to sit on TikTok looking at the phone. So it's it's that balance of you're not going to change people's habits to look at a phone, but if you give them an area that you think, oh, well, actually, there's something a bit more interesting here, and I put that down for five minutes. Yes. You can't change the fact that people want to use tech all the time, but you can change the environment so that it's a bit more relaxed and people go, what's that? And I go, oh, good question. That is such a plan. And then they go, oh, would it grow in my garden? Before you know it, five minutes has passed and they've not been on the phone. You know, it's like this chat we're having now. 20 minutes passes and all of a sudden we're not, we're not talking about, you know, the best way to get the message out there. We're just talking about plants and... Yeah, and absolutely. A, a much softer way to get information out there that isn't quite so fast and... 60 seconds all the time, you know, clickbait, grab them. It's like, oh, let's just let's sit down for a minute. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how things, how technology like artificial intelligence, how they because videos can now be quite easily produced using AI, for example. Yeah. But the, my view, I mean, I think that there's a utopic view and there's a dystopic view, and I'm sitting somewhere in the middle. I think it's quite nuanced, but I suppose the problem with videos that are that are done via ai is it just feel a bit cold still i do wonder if they can i mean i suppose the joy of watching a video produced by a human being for example is mistakes are made i mean the mistakes are made as we record this now there'll be the odd um and uh and Mm -hmm. that sort of just the natural way of talking really do you think that's one of our advantages really still well that's the beauty of the human condition is you do your best right now and in another 10 days, 10 weeks, 10 years, things change and we've talked about change, but it's about being authentic right now. And whilst it's great that AI can churn out far more content than I can, they can churn out stuff that it is going to be a lot faster, maybe without the mistakes, but it's just something that isn't quite real about it. And that's, the thing that we're always forgetting is that is the realness. You know, I'm only creating content to try and help people. It's 90%, you know, helpful. It's 90% there. It's never perfect. And I, don't I, mean, really I think that shines through though, doesn't it? And what you're saying is there's a there's there's a core reason why you're doing it. And I think that 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 really shines through in the stuff that you do. And and the social media is almost an aside, isn't it? It's just a way of getting the information out there. Well, I'm, I'm glad that's coming across because that's always the approach I've taken. It's very easy to suddenly get caught up with, oh, got to be perfect, got to do this, got to do more. And, and especially there with AI, yeah, it's great, isn't it? Wonderful that it can scrape the internet, troll it and bring back the pertinent points. But at the same time, it's only going to bring back what's out there. It's not necessarily going to be able to sense check it or look at it through, you know, um, through, through eyes that have experience, it's just going to go, here's what the internet has served you back. So you've always got to be able to look at it and go, well, which bits are true and which bits are false and which bits are important. And yeah, it, it's it's moving at a pace where 
it's like, well, I'll, I'll go back a bit. AI will serve you up right now. What do you want to know? You've then got to be able to sense check it. And most people will go, oh, well, Google's told me this, or AI's told me this, yeah, but which bits are true? And it's like with the law, that's why you have the courtroom to go, we think this, we think that, and the judge Absolutely. sits there. Absolutely, yeah. She will sit there and go, well, I'm going to discern from this what I think is the truth. Do you know, I'm not going to take it on face value, prima face it. I am going to sit there and assess it. And that's the thing where the AI bit falls down and where you have someone, an expert, that expert mind that can sit there and take it in and go, right, Mrs. Moggins, this is what I think is going to happen for you. This is what should happen. Same with gardening, interior design, you know, whatever, technology. But there is, there, there is no single truth in so many areas, and there is expertise. And expertise, I think we still need to value with AI. I mean, we've looked at chat G, GPT, and we could see how it's useful in some respects, but in some respects, it just isn't. It's still not developed enough. It, it's 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 I suppose it's recognizing that it it is still very nuanced, and it, it you know it's neither dystopic or utopic, but somewhere in between. Um, so that takes us to I think just the, the sort of killer question, as we call it. And it, you you may well have answered it. I don't know, but what what do you think? Because you run a business, mm-hmm. you know, the, you run a business in terms of um, you know garden design and what have you. What do you think is going to be the biggest change in the next ten years? It could be some a, a new way of thinking. It could be a new technology. What do you think is really going to shake up what you do? I think the, the the biggest change is going to be, you know, well. That utopia versus dystopia, I would like the change to be that we have much more authentic, tried and tested methods of doing things that are based on either science or experience, you know, that, that we you have a quality of information rather than just shed loads of information, we can condense it into, you know, we learn from the mistakes, we learn from what we know, the experience. That's what I'd like. Sadly, I think we'll probably end up with the just endless information that is kind of awkwardly smushed together to provide you with that hit, that instant hit of 30 seconds of whatever, there you go. So that's where I think we're heading. And AI will get better, but we're kind of going to lose the human touch. And I think people want people, they want faces. They want to trust someone. It's that trust indicator. So no, trust, trust is, a, is a really important point, I think, in, in, in all aspects of life, you know, in, in relationships, whether they be personal or business relationships, in so much in life, I think trust is underestimated. It's yeah. the glue of life, I think. I remember hearing it called once. And I, I think that's that's a, an important point, isn't it, really? Yeah, and I think, yeah, and I like that, the glue of life. And I think, where, where are we going? Well, we're going to race ahead and all of a sudden, AI and the algorithm and content, you know, content's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger, but it's about how do you get that authenticity and how do you trust it, that trust factor. So it's about being able to trust people and to give, you know, you can churn out anything you want online. It's like, how do I trust that? And the same with law. It's like you go to someone because they're trusted because time and time again, they repeat behaviour that you can trust. They repeat a pattern that results in something that's better than if you didn't have that person on board. So I think moving forward with business, it's just about that trust factor, being able to avoid erroneous information, being able to avoid people that are just doing it for the sake of it. You want people that are really well respected. And that's for all 
social media, the internet, online, you can find that really quickly. So the beauty is that, that the big algorithm can say, well, this, this person, that person, this business is best for you. Do you know? And it's managing to avoid all the other, the, 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 the darker side of the internet that people just want to grab you, grab yeah. your money and run. So I, I mean, think, I, I, th- I think we're in an interesting sp- space at the moment with, you know, particularly AI, and, and, and trust, as you say, is I think so important. That, you know, it's the glue of life, as it were. But I, it's really quite unregulated at the moment. And the government just came out recently with a white paper saying that um, there's going to be no statutory um, footing for AI regulation at the moment. But it just feels like we've disinvented the motor car. The analogy of you know inventing a motor car, and there's no road traffic acts. I, I do think we need to be a little bit stronger at at finding a way of of making sure that the, the harms of AI are dealt with appropriately because at the moment there's almost no regulation at all so it's gonna be interesting to see how how that develops i think lee you know in the future i think I did have, go on sorry yeah sorry so to, to answer that killer question you know everything's moving really quickly but it's getting sort of it's being able to see the wood for the trees and for people to go well what's authentic and being able to serve up really useful information and that that applies to anything, no matter what you're doing, whether you are, you know, you're a chef, you're a lawyer, you're a doctor. So you want to get to the good stuff relatively quickly so that you can help someone fix something, deliver something that's better, that will solve that problem. Because life is just a series of problems on the time continuum. So it's about, you know, can we use AI to do that? Does it benefit us? If it's a yes, great stuff, I'm all on board. If it distracts us and sends us off, on a different route, then no, we've missed it, we've got it wrong. But it's all yeah. about how do we do that? Do you know, take the good bits, don't get distracted by the fact there's so much going on. It's like, let's bring it back, bring it back to watch no, the that, that's a lovely way to finish, isn't it? I think just about improving people's lives. I mean, that's why you do what you do. Your, your goal is not to create, well, your, your goal isn't to uh, create gardens that aren't very pleasant to be in, for example. Yeah. It's to create spaces that make people feel good. Um, and you do. I mean, that's pretty clear from looking uh, at your website and the other work which you do. So, oh, thank you so much today for your time. I think a really fascinating. Uh, insight into social media you know in particular and making sure that we use social media well and don't just get obsessed Mm -hmm. with social media for its own sake but yeah to use it in a a really a considered way and authentic way and i'm glad that comes across and and yeah to summarize it's about i use social media to help get my message out there and it's always about you know what can it do for the end user not getting stuck in the metric, the algorithm, yeah. the achievement of it. It's like, it's making it work for you and not getting lost. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Well, Lee, thank you so much for your time today. Are you doing much on TV at the moment? Yeah, so I'm still doing Garden Rescue. There's yeah. all sorts of stuff happening on TV where I'm managing to spread this message of, you know, good, solid yeah. gardening guides and being able to bring people on board and go, come on, you can do this. And cool. that's the way that I use the media is to get that message out there and, and to enjoy it, to make people feel like I can do it, because you can. Well, we look forward to watching you on that very soon. So, Lee, thank you very much. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed that. Lee is such a nice and interesting guy. It's clear getting social media right can feel like an incessant chase for likes and getting SEO right. Whilst these things are important, they aren't the be-all and end-all. 
I think what Lee shows us is that finding a niche and being authentic can pay dividends. He also shows us that video remains a powerful way to get a message across. Our new book, Legal Practice in the Digital Age, shows lawyers how they can embrace technological change from taking a people-centric approach to tech and innovation to entrenching forward-thinking new mindsets into their firm's DNA. Social media is a part of what we do too. And there's definitely more, we think, that businesses can do to have a more focused social media presence. So here's some tips from the book. Let's start with Always think, why does this matter? Now, we call this the so what test. In essence, don't publish just for the sake of publishing. Craft a narrative if you can. People love stories. You need to win hearts and minds. Now, if you're writing as opposed to using video, less is often more. Fewer words have greater impact. Consider adopting tone of voice and brand guidelines. What I find useful is to write for the ear. So reading what you've written out loud is an underrated trick to understand how your writing works for others. Equally, another important tip is get statistics on who's read what you've published. Has your piece landed well? Has it landed at all? If not, you risk shouting into the wind. But equally, don't obsess about the figures either. Finally, Show people. Using pictures of people is a well-known way of increasing engagement with uh, social media. Lee, for example, features in most of his work. In essence, people love to see other people. So that's it for today. A reminder, you can subscribe to the Shoesmiths Podcast Network on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or however you consume your podcasts. Thank you for listening today, and goodbye. 